Please turn then to Luke chapter 24, the final chapter of the Gospel of Luke. We'll begin in the first verse, and it will be uh, certainly a much more lengthy scripture lesson than I typically take. We are going to read uh, the full chapter today. There have been many days in history that have changed a great many things. We could think of a few, perhaps. We can. One that always comes to my mind is December seventh, nineteen forty-one, Pearl Harbor changed changed everything, or changed a lot, not everything. <coughs> we can think, of course, in most here in our lifetimes. Not everyone here, but most, if not all of us here. Uh, were alive on that day in September 11, 2001, where so many things changed. Went to work, <coughs> like we always went to work, or you went to school, wherever that you were, and, and then suddenly everything changed. But no other day has changed things like the day that we will read about this morning. The day we will read about this morning changed and changes everything. And that would be our title today, The Day That Changed Everything. Christianity's claim is a radical one. Our claim, indeed I believe those who know the Lord, our knowledge, but our claim, our belief, our faith is in a risen Savior. One who died on a cross at the hands of men. The very Son of God who came to dwell among us. Left His home in heaven. Took upon Himself human flesh. Lived 33 and a half years, somewhere in there walked the road to Calvary, laid down his life, gave up the ghost, buried in the tomb, left there for three days. And as they went back to embalm his body on this day that we'll read, he was not there. He had risen. This is a radical claim. I don't know of any other major religion that claims such a thing, that their leader is still alive. Such a claim is not just an academic one. It's not just a theological one. It's not just a fact about a faith. This claim makes every difference in every way. There is absolutely nothing that is not touched by the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. That He is alive today. If Jesus is not alive today, then the Christian is left without hope. And so too, by the way, the rest of the world. If Christ did not stand as our 
living Savior, if He does not now stand as our living Savior, then He does not stand as a Savior at all. But He does. He rose from the tomb. He appeared to some 500 after His death. He appears to the apostles. He appears to these men that we'll read about. And I want to read to you about this day that changed everything. And it's lengthy, but it starts early in the morning on this day. And it ends in this chapter very late in the night. This day that changed everything, let us read together. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb. That, of course, is the women with Mary taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose, ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, now our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in how he was known to them in breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany. Lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. An eventful day, a day, the day, we could say, that changed everything and that wherein everything changed a day that began in great sadness but ends in joy they get up in this on this morning these women preparing to to do a service for Christ in his death and embalm his body and they loved him and they loved him still and yet he had been taken away from them they had some 72 hours a little more before watched him die on a cross as a criminal, watched him buried in a tomb, saw the stone rolled in place. And on this third day, as they rose to do their service, no doubt their hearts were broken still. This one that they loved had been taken from them and he was still parted from them. Sadness surely described the scene as these women made their way to the tomb. 
Sadness surely walked with them as they walked down that road to embalm the body of Christ. This day, though, is going to change. It's not going to end in sadness. It's going to end in great joy. These men, as they walked the road to Emmaus, no doubt they were walking, and and it just comes out and tells us in the 17th verse that they appeared sad. Jesus comes, He's unknown to them as a stranger, and He says, what is this that you're talking about? And, And they're walking along the road, and in my mind's eye I can see this moment and this day as they're walking toward this road. They're, they're, the one they had hoped was the Savior has died. He's, he's in the tomb. They've heard some strange stories from the women, but they're still in unbelief and they're walking to Emmaus and their whole world has been turned upside down and they're broken and they're sad and, and this has been displayed publicly before the whole world and, and they're incredulous that anyone anywhere near Jerusalem would ask the question, what are you talking about with this man, Jesus? And they stop their walk and they pause in the road and they look at Jesus as a stranger and they look and they say, I can just see the shock on their faces. The 17th verse, when he said this to them, what is, what is this conversation that you were holding? They stood still looking sad, just broken hearted. And yet, that's not how this day ended. This day ended with the women telling the apostles coming back and saying, He's alive. He's not there in the tomb anymore. These two disciples, they turn around from the road to Emmaus or they'd already arrived there. They came back to Jerusalem, and in 32nd and 34th verse, they say to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while we talked, while he talked to us on the road? And then they come to the eleven and they say, The Lord has risen indeed. Changed from pure, unadulterated brokenness and sadness at the beginning of the day to joy unspeakable and full of glory and confidence and hope at the end of the day. There was a moment in my own life when I was lost, when God convicted me of sin. That was very much a similar way. I didn't arise with it, but in that moment when He convicted me, there was brokenness. I was separated from Him. I was lost and I was undone. And there was sadness. There was a feeling of separation from God. He is now separated from me and I from Him. And there was brokenness and sadness. But I thank God that when He saved me that day didn't end with brokenness. It ended with joy and peace. This day changed everything. This day changed absolutely everything for all of history. And yet it changed everything for these individual people on this day started sad and ended with joy a day that began in confusion but ends in great clarity the women it says that the word that the ESV uses here in the fourth verse they were perplexed they get to the tomb the stone is rolled away the body of the Lord is not there and they're perplexed what does this mean? Where have you taken him? I believe is how the another gospel records it. 
perplexed. These women were confused. And these two on the road to Emmaus were confused as well. Did you hear in verse 21 the past tense of what they said? After Jesus, again as a stranger to them at the time, asked, what is this that you're talking about? They related to him about Jesus and how he had been crucified. And this is what they said in verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. That past tense leapt off the page into my heart and thinking about these men as they're walking down the road. We can't help but notice that past tense there. I don't believe that their faith was entirely absent, that it had been snuffed out entirely. I believe there was confusion. I believe there was uh, uh, they were perplexed as well. But in their heart and as they speak the words, they said, our hope was that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. He was the one who was going to make right all that had been made wrong. He was the one that our people have been anticipating and looking for for 4,000 years. They're confused and they're perplexed. And yet it ends in great clarity when Jesus speaks. Verses 25 and 26, He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And these truths begin to finally settle into their hearts and their minds. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer. We misunderstood the work that he was about. He wasn't about making this world right. He was about preparing us for a world that is to come. And I do believe that it is a very dangerous thing when we forget, even as Christians, when we forget that our, our world, our hope, our home is not here, but it is in heaven with God. And when these men thought that the Redeemer, the Messiah, was going to come and redeem Israel in, a, in its national sense here and, and then overcome and overthrow the Romans of the day, and reestablish natural Israel here. Their, their minds were clouded. They were, they were confused. That's what led to them being perplexed and also, I think, somewhat brokenhearted. They didn't understand what he was doing. And this day that began in great confusion ends in great clarity by the time Jesus is standing in the room with them late that night. And they see him and they know it is him. And they are now no longer confused about it, but they have great clarity. This is a day that began in great fear, but ends in great boldness. These men and women had cast their lot in with Christ. They had thrown in their lives with His. They had turned from their life to follow Him. These men and women had abandoned all to follow Him who now was looked upon as just another pretend Savior. Great fear, no doubt, began to grab a hold of their heart. 
A man, yes, who had done some incredible things, but in the end, in the eyes of the world, appeared to be just another deluded man who was leading Israel astray. So the leaders of our people, the chief priests, the ones who we look to to keep things on the right path, put him to death. And they had thrown their lot in with this man, Jesus. These apostles had left their fishing boats. Matthew had left his spot as a publican, his, his, his uh, monetarily advantageous position. He'd left all that to follow this Christ. And so this day, on this third day, this day began as the other two before them no doubt had in great fear. We've thrown our lot in with this Jesus and He was just crucified on a cross and His body was laid in a tomb and the stone was rolled over it and they put Roman soldiers in front of it and it appears to us that Jesus is dead and we thought He was the Messiah. This day began in great fear over all of this. This had put them, as their lot had been put in with Christ, it put them at odds with the powerful and the influential. Something they were able to abide while Jesus was with them, but now He was gone. He wasn't there. And there must have been just great fear in their hearts about their futures and the futures of their families and their children. We had hoped He was the Redeemer of Israel. And now we understand while as they're walking down that road to Emmaus, and Jesus as a stranger to them asks, what are you talking about? And they just stop. And they're just broken. And you can see their shoulders slump and the tears in their eyes and the brokenness in their heart. And they say, don't you know? How can you not know what has happened here? We thought He was the Savior. But that's not where it ended. It didn't end in fear. It ended in them shouting in that room, He is risen indeed. He is alive. And I want to tell you today, maybe maybe you're walking down the road to Emmaus in your life. And, and maybe things haven't gone the way you think that they were supposed to. And, and you, maybe even in your own heart, you think, Lord, I, I thought you were going to lead me. I thought you were going to be with me always. And you're walking a road. I want to tell you today, Jesus is alive. And that changes absolutely everything. There is nothing that it doesn't change. There is no tear that it won't dry. There is no heartache that it won't heal. There is no confusion that it will not clear up. It ended in great boldness because Jesus is alive. This day changed the very course of the lives of these men and women. Many, many are going to die a martyr's death because of this day. This day that they could not deny. They'd seen Him. It was Him. He is alive. I know Him. He's called us and sent us out into the world. Jesus is alive today and it changes everything. It changes your life here. In these few years that we live in this place called earth, this thing called time, it changes everything when we understand He is alive. It it changes it. It changes your, your life in eternity. It changes your relationships. It changes your plans. It changes your heart. It changes your hopes. 
Like the disciples on the way to Emmaus, it changes where you go as they turn around and head right back to the place that they had left. We're not given any insight into why they left Jerusalem seven miles away. We might speculate in their confusion and doubt and fear, put some distance between them and Jerusalem, try to pick up their life and do what they can with it. Don't know that. The Bible's silent on it, so we can only speculate. But when they saw the Lord, they went right back to ground zero with his people and said he is indeed alive i want to tell you this today if you know that the lord jesus is alive he has made himself known to you and you know him i want to tell you there may be some people in a room somewhere they need to hear you say he's alive and i know it and i know him and i know he's alive and it changes absolutely everything changes the way i look at my money it changes the way i look at my family it changes the way i look at my job Changes the way I look at absolutely everything in my life. Now, now what caused the change? What changed? Sadness to joy. Confusion to clarity. Fear to boldness. What changed? Well, of course it is that Jesus was alive. But more specifically than that, what was it that changed for these people? Was it not? A personal encounter with the risen Savior. A personal encounter with the risen Savior. I think this is what happens yet today. For you and I, nothing will really change until we have encountered Christ. This is what will drive away the sadness and replace it with joy. This is what will deliver from confusion and bring clarity. This is how you will lose your fear and begin to walk in boldness. This encounter will not be without reproof, by the way. Jesus was direct with these men, was he not? He said, you foolish and slow of heart. Why did you not believe all that has been said? We are told that the Lord appeared to Simon as well. Did you catch that? They said, the Lord has risen as he's appeared to Simon. There's something of a mystery with this appearance of the Lord to Simon with the harmony of the other Gospels. They don't all reference it, and none of them give much detail about it. I think that is on purpose. In fact, I believe I would. it appears, of course, to be on purpose, or we would have the details. I believe that Peter told the others that the Lord had appeared to him, but I think he probably kept that moment to himself, the details of it. I want you to remember and I want you to think in, when was the last time Peter saw the Lord? When was the last time they looked at one another? Was it not across the courtyard shortly after Peter had for the third time said I don't even know him with a curse? And then the Lord appears to him. I can only imagine why Peter would not want to share the details of that moment with the Lord. But it happened, and he said, yes, I've seen him. We've talked. And I had the chance 
to bow down at his feet and beg his forgiveness <laughs> and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I am so sorry that I did deny you. I am so sorry, Lord. I am yours. Would you forgive me? And to feel the Lord wrap his arms around him and say, I am faithful and just to forgive you. And Peter then left from that moment, and he was a different man from that day forward. A lot of people say he was different from the day he denied him. I think he was different from this moment that we don't have a lot of detail about when he talked with the Lord one more time and got it right. Recognizing in himself his own weakness and his 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 ability to, to stray so far from the one that he loved, and then risen from the tomb, he stands before him. And Jesus sends him out. And I believe, I believe that day bowed down at the risen Savior's feet. I believe it was in his mind and in his heart when those who were going to take his life, Peter's life, and they said, we're going to crucify you. And he says, crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy to die like my Savior. It's what he remembered when the Sanhedrin and the powerful people in his among the Jews said, you stop pre preaching about this name. You stop speaking about Jesus. And he says, I can't. The one who denied him three times now says, I can't deny him. I will not. I cannot. This risen Savior changes everything. That day that changed everything was the day that Jesus rose from the grave and conquered sin and death. I pray that God will meet with each of us individually so that this day that changed everything would change our lives as well. And instill within us a boldness to proclaim the truth from the mountaintops, to spread this message near and far to as many as we can, to tell them that there is a day that changed everything. It was the day that the day before Jesus' body lay dead in the tomb. And the next day, it was not there. No explanation. No, no uncovering of some massive conspiracy. Uh, nothing that could deny the reality that the tomb was empty. And yet nothing that would change lives so much as when Jesus appeared and was seen and known. You see, let me let me end with this. I don't want to overstate this. I want to be very careful with my words. It is not enough to know that the tomb was empty. You need to meet the Lord. You need to have met him. You need to have felt the forgiveness of sin. You, you need to have heard his voice, not audibly, but in your heart. When he speaks peace and it and, and it changed everything. It, it now it now touches everything. It, it changes the way you see the world.
not the colors, not the trees, not the leaves or the grass, not the birds. You see those like you always did, but now they're different. Is it C.S. Lewis said, and I won't quote it right, I don't. Christianity is like the sun, and it's not bec- it, it, that I see the sun, and so I see the light, but by it I see everything else. And so now, knowing Christ, I, I understand everything differently. My life, your life, my children's life, my job, my heartaches, because this day changed everything. This day changed everything. This day changes those times when we say goodbye to those we love and we realize in that moment that they're not just people from our past, but they are people yet in our future. (laughs) Because Jesus is alive. Because Jesus lives. We sang it this morning. I live. And all those in Him live. And so we don't just look backward, but we look forward. Knowing that God is going to make all things right. I can't wait to see that day. But while we are still here, there are those that need to hear this message. Jesus is alive. It changes everything. It's our song.